to start that church. You know, they told us that you needed to start a launch team and assemble a group of people that would come together and start that and, and, and grab hold of the vision. We didn't know what that looked like, but we grabbed people and we just began to brainstorm as to what that church could look like. You know, in most church cultures, the atmosphere is, if you're a believer, you can belong. But we began to think is, what if we created an atmosphere where people felt like they belonged, but then yet hung around long enough, they would become believers. And here at Genesee Valley Church, our vision is to love God, love people, and to love life. And we do this through our growth track, our life groups, our dream team, and encounter. Growth track is the catalyst that will begin your journey here at Genesee Valley Church. Life group will connect you with others and establish relationships and do life together. Dream Team will get you plugged into fulfilling God's given purpose for your life. And lastly, Encounter gives you the opportunity to go deeper as a believer in your pursuit for God. I just believe that the local church is the hope of the world. I believe that Genesee Valley Church is the hope of the greater Flint area, or at least part of the solution. And so I realize that whenever God's called you to do something great, you're always going to face great opposition. But I just believe that God is sending us great people to do what He's called us to do. You know, we've just begun to see the beginning of what God's going to do. The best is yet to come. I believe that this is our season, and there's never been a more exciting time to be a part of the greater Flint area and to be a part of Genesee Valley Church. Thanks so much. Let's do the journey together. So that's our story. There's never been a more exciting time to be a part of GBC. We're so honored that you're here, and we are looking forward to doing life together with you. If you want to know what your next step is, be sure to take a look at our Connect spot in the back. that it's possible. Amen. Well, hey, listen, let me just say thank you once again for just making GVC a part of your morning. It's just an honor to have you here. Just want to say thank you for those that are tuning in online or on our online campus. Again, we just are so appreciative that you're tuning in and just want to say good morning. I'll be around the world. Good morning to you. Glad to have you with us. And hey, if you will, just simply do us a favor. If you haven't already, if you'll just simply uh, log into your Facebook account and just make it known, just say that, hey, we've been here, we're tuning in. Just send some posts out, some tweets, whatever it might be, just to simply talk about what God did for you, what God spoke to your heart today in service. And as you do that, you're simply allowing God to use you through social media to impact the world. And that just gets the word out. It lets people get excited about what's going on here at GVC. And it causes people to begin to ask you questions and to say, man, I see you talking a lot about your church. Why do you do that? And you can say, man, our church is just awesome. Amen? 
and I believe that it is. I believe that you make up that church, and so it is a good place to be. Amen. Well, hey, welcome to our second week of living the life that you've always wanted. We started last week and really just uh, set a platform as to what is to come. And so these next couple of weeks is really just to expound upon that. In fact, even today, it might be a two-parter that we're talking about today. But again, we're going to get into some good stuff. How many of you uh, got your Snickers? Anybody get your Snickers already? You got them? Did you eat them yet? Did we tell you you could do that? What's up with that? No. They're, they're there for you. You can enjoy them. But you know what the motto is for Snickers? Snickers. It really satisfies. And so I don't know about you, but that's really what everybody really wants is to live a life that is satisfied, right? We just really generally want a life that is satisfying and not satisfying from the standpoint that we just settle and say, well, I guess I got to be satisfied. But we want to live this life that we can get to the end and say, I was satisfied. It was full. I lived my life and I enjoyed it to the full. Amen. Praise God. Can we turn the house down just a little bit, please? Thank you so much. And so once again, we're going to talk about how this life is meant to be satisfied. God wants us to have a full, satisfied life, and He truly wants us to be satisfied in our relationship with Him. If you remember last week, we said this, that when it comes to this life that we always wanted, it first begins in a faith of God. And we set a foundation last week, and I know it was very foundational, but we looked at it from the standpoint of who God is and how we can approach Him. And one of the things that we said is that God is not, not breaking us down or beating us up. He's always looking to build us up. We said that God is not condemning us, but He's just simply looking to connect with us. And we said that God always wants to have a relationship with us that's drawing us closer. Now, why is that significant in learning about this life that we've always wanted? Because if we get that part wrong, we'll never be able to approach him the way that he desires. We'll never be able to have this life of faith to expect the life to be what God wants it to be if we get that first part wrong. And many of us have felt like that God is just wanting to slap us up, beat us down, knock us around because we're making mistakes. That's not the kind of God that he is. He's a good God. And if we know that we can approach him with confidence, with expectation then it allows us to approach him being confident that he'll honor his word and that he'll be a faithful God. Amen? Amen. Well, I asked you if you've already got your Snickers, and many of you said you did. I started hearing the paper, papers rattling, and then I seen somebody stuff your face as we were, you know, starting out here. That's okay. But let me ask you, how many of you sat in the seat with the big candy bar? Now, not sat next to it, but sat right in the seat. You sat in the seat with the big candy bar? You sat in the seat with the big candy bar? All right. Well, we had three. Anybody else? We had one that sat in the seat with the big candy bar. Anybody else sit in the seat with the big candy bar? You sat right in that seat. Not beside it, but right in it. Jeanette's close. All right. It's, it's taunting her, talking to her. All right. Now, I ask you those questions, or I put them there specifically just to see if people would actually sit in those seats. Now, I put three out, and obviously, we've got two out of three. And so that was actually pretty good odds. But one of the things that I anticipated is for people to not sit in those seats for the sake of, why is this seat different? Can I sit in that seat? And if I really sit in that seat, do I get that big candy bar because I see everybody else has got small candy bars? And if I get that big candy bar, what will people think of me thinking, who do you think you are having that big candy bar? 
I didn't get one of those big candy bars. Who's, who made you special, right? And in doing that, or in that example, why would we even begin to question whether or not we would be able to sit in that seat where there is a big candy bar? Again, Snickers, it really satisfies. And that's what we're going to talk about is a satisfying life. But it isn't just something that God wants to just give us a little taste of. He wants us to really experience the bigness, the greatness of how much he wants us to experience this life. And for those of us that sat next to that or looked at it and wondered, could that be for me? Should I sit in that seat? God is never withholding any good thing from us. And that's how we oftentimes approach God in this idea, can can God really do? Can God really perform? Will God really bless me and allow me to enjoy this life to the full? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. The only thing that determines whether or not we step in and receive and experience this life, not just in a small bite size, but in its vastness, is simply a condition and a matter of faith. Can you believe God that he will do and be who he says he is last week we talked about simply saying can we believe that God is a good God that he's really not trying to beat me up that he's wanting to connect that he's not wanting to beat me up but he's wanting to to rebuild or build me up in the sense of establishing that relationship and so as we look at this we're looking at living the life of faith. How do we live the life that we always wanted? It is simply living a life through faith. If you have your Bibles this morning, why don't you open up to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. As you're turning there, I'll go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for everyone that's here this morning, everyone that's tuning in online. God, I thank you that this is a morning where we hear directly from heaven. God, it's not just a man speaking, but God, you're using a man to speak through. And God, we thank you that we have ears to hear and hearts to receive because God, this is a day that we can begin to grow in our faith walk with you, living the life that we've always wanted. In Jesus' name, and we all said, Amen. Amen. God genuinely wants us to experience this life that we've dreamed about. We've talked about, or we've got the white picket fence up there, and really God wants us for the sake of the example, God wants us to live the white picket fence life. Now, I realize many of us have maybe been beat up, knocked around. Maybe we've had bad backgrounds where it says, you know what, I don't deserve or I'll never be able to expect the white picket fence. But God wants us to live a life that is full, that is satisfying, and is a life that we can enjoy. Now, we said that that life is a life understanding who God is. But we also said that that life is one that has to be experienced through a life of faith or trusting in God. So in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sin against himself, 
lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Now there are several things that I want to bring out in that passage of scripture that we looked at. But first of all, let's start right there at the very end of that, that, that scripture. It says this, it says, consider Jesus, what he went through. Consider what he went through so that you don't grow weary and discouraged in your soul. Have you ever been weary or discouraged with life? The answer is probably yes for all of us that are here. There's times that we've gotten tired, times that we feel like we've gotten beat up, times that we were just simply discouraged and said, God, I don't see this ever getting better. He says, I want you to consider this. Consider what? He says, well, first of all, listen, he says, we're all running a race. He says, in verse 1, he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Every single person has a path, has a purpose in life. And notice he says, run with endurance. That's not just simply running to the point where you give out an exhaustion and barely fall across the finish line. No, he says, I want you to run with endurance so that you are satisfied when you cross that finish line. Do you realize that's not God's heart? He's not wanting us to just wear out and just barely limp across the finish line when we come to the end of our life. He wants us to be fully satisfied. He wants us to enjoy this life so that when we step across, we can say, I've run the race, I've finished the fight, and I have done well in the sight and the eyes of God. Amen? He wants us to experience this life. But he says, now consider him in the midst of all that he's talking about. He says, now consider him. So let's bring our attention back to what he said about him. He said, for Jesus' sake, he said, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So it starts to tell us about Jesus. And it says, Jesus had every opportunity to be discouraged. He was beat up. He was despised. He came here for humanity to give his life as a sacrifice for the sin. And this is how people treated him. He could have said, forget it. If this is how they're going to treat me. But no, the Bible says in the midst of what he was going through, in the midst of them beating him, putting a crown of thorns upon his head, upon pulling out his beard, upon hanging him on the cross, the Bible says that he counted it joy as he was going through it all and despised the cross. Once again, every single one of us have gone through life and experienced hardships. He says, Jesus did too. But he saw beyond the circumstance. What does that mean? That means Jesus had faith beyond where he was. He saw the end, and therefore he had joy and confidence to the outcome, despite what he saw right now. Are you getting that? How do you and I live this life of faith, even though we face hardships, even though we can be discouraged in life, beginning to understand God's desire, God's heart towards us, and what his desire is for us? Do you know that God desires good things for you? In fact, the Bible says this over in Psalms. It says that God, if we would delight ourselves in the Lord, he would give us the desires of our heart. Now, wait a minute. That puts a whole other spin on things, doesn't it? 
I, I thought I just had to live this life and just barely get by or just make the best that I could of it. No, the Bible says if we will delight ourselves in the Lord, He will give us the desires of our hearts. So what does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? It means exactly what we talked about last week, realizing that God is wanting to connect with us. He's wanting to have a relationship with us. He's wanting to know us, to have fellowship with us, so that we can come to Him and know how good that He is. And it says when we delight in Him, He will give us the desires of our heart. How many of you got desires in your heart? You desire for life to be better. You desire for life to get, get, get better than what you've known. God says, I will give you the desires of your heart. Where did those desires come from? They came from Him. Those desires that you have in your heart, God planted the seed for them there. You may say, well, I've got some pretty unique desires. You mean God will give me that? Didn't He just say He'll give you the desire of your heart? All right, so let me give you an example. You're here and you're saying, man, I need a car. I desire a car. Does God really care about me getting a car? You're saying that God, if I'll delight myself in Him, He'll give me the desires of my heart so God cares about a car? Absolutely. Do you need to get down the road? Do you need to take your kids and your family somewhere? Do you need to get to work? Sure. So He wants you to have a car. Now, we instinctively say, okay, well, what kind of car is that? I mean, is it like a rust bucket car or what kind of car is that? God wants to give you the desires of your heart. You mean God cares about those things? Yes, He cares about those things as long as it doesn't violate His Word. Now you say, well, what do you mean, violate His Word? Well, let's just say, for instance, you know, you're desiring a car, and you say, you know what, this Friday I'm going to go down to the car dealership and I'm going to steal one. Well, obviously that's silly, but it violates the Word of God. He says, thou shalt not steal. So therefore, you might have the desire for a car, but your means of getting it violates the Word of God. So is God in that? No, He don't want you to go steal a car, right? Or maybe your next-door neighbor has a real cool car. Man, he's got the big old truck. It's lifted. I mean, it's just a man's man's truck, man. And I'm over there, and I'm drooling. And I'm, I'm just coveting his, his truck. And I'm thinking, how can I get his truck, man? I want his truck. Well, that violates God's Word, right? Because God don't want me being jealous of somebody else. He don't want me coveting what somebody else has. He wants to bless me with mine. So that violates the word of God. So what kind of car does God want me to have? What kind of car do you want? Were well, you saying God wants me to have a Ferrari? Well, the question is, is can you afford a Ferrari? <laughs> if you can't afford a Ferrari and it puts you in debt, well, obviously that violates the, the word of God, right? I mean, it's just common sense. But if you can afford a Ferrari, do you think God cares whether that's a desire of your heart? No. It's made of metal. It's got four rubber tires. It gets you down the road just like any, any other car does. It may not be practical for you. If you got a family of six and you got a little Ferrari that's a two-seater, it might be pretty stupid. Right? You understand what I'm saying? But does God care whether you have a Ferrari or not? No. It's just a matter of what you can believe in for. And if you can have faith, God will hook you up. Are you hearing me this morning? And you say, well, God wants me to have a Ferrari. I didn't say that. Can you afford it? If you can't afford it, then we're having a different discussion, right? And so now, now again, I know people say this, well, you know, and if, you can, if you're driving a Ferrari, you just might as well just give that money to the poor because that's the godly thing to do. 
Right? Don't talk to me about giving money to the poor if you're, you know, having a nice car. You know, when you start giving to the poor yourself, then we can talk, all right? You know what I'm talking about? Listen, we can't stand in judgment to say, well, you've got something too nice. Listen, God wants to lavishly take care of you and bless you and give you a life that you can't even begin to imagine. It's just a matter, is do we believe that God is that good? And do we believe that God will walk this life out with us? And can we trust him and believe him for it? If you can't believe him for it or believe that he'll do it for you, you'll never experience it. And so let's begin to look at how we live this life of faith and begin to experience a life that is satisfying, that is full, that, that allows us to experience life not with hardship but with joy. And once again, don't misunderstand. We just saw there that hardships do come. There are bumps in the road, but they're just bumps in the road right? They pass. But we can begin to experience this life that God desires. Now, one of the other scriptures or portions of that scripture that I want to bring to your attention is the one in verse 2. Verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of of our faith. There are some very significant things just in that statement. The moment that you receive Christ and begin to walk with Him, He begins to author or begins to put things in you. Your desires change once you start walking with Jesus. Why? Because He starts putting things on the inside of you. He's the one that begins to originate. He begins to author in your heart. You may think, man, I never thought this way before. I never thought this big before. I never expected this big before. Why? Because God is starting to author some things in your hearts. But notice, not only is he the author, but he is the finisher. So the moment that God puts in you a desire, he has already put the finishing touch and the end in you as well. Not only to conceive it, but to receive it. And we see Jesus doing that very same thing. He's walking, being beat, being bruised, hanging on a cross, but he's already seen the end from the beginning. Come on, are you here this morning? So when we walk this life of faith, there might be challenges, but there's things that God begins to put in us, this life that he wants us to experience, and it's a life of faith. How can I believe that God truly wants me to have a life that is satisfying? Because he said so in his word. And if I begin to hold fast to that, it becomes a reality. Now, let's see how God has done some things. Because God is the originator of this life. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Jesus said this, he said, everything that I do is a result of what I see the Father doing. So in other words, Jesus was an example or was a living example of the heart of God. And so in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says this, Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
So notice God creating man, you and me. Now, we're not going to get into this right now, but one of the things that I really want you to pay attention to in those two verses, did you notice how many times it says God made us in his image? Now, if God says it one time in the Bible, we need to pay attention. But if God says it three times, just in a matter of a couple sentences, we ought to pay attention to that. God says that he made you and me in his image and his likeness. So there ought to be some qualities about us that are like God. All right? So when it comes to God making man, how did God make him? How did God make man? Now, the first response that we may give is, well, he spoke them. He spoke them into existence. Yeah, but how? How did he do it? Well, turn over to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1. 1. How did God make them? He spoke them, but he made them with faith. Or he made them by faith. Remember I said we're talking about living this life that we've always wanted, and it's a life of faith. And we're seeing what Jesus did as he's approaching the cross. And yet he's seeing beyond the cross and counting it joy. We're looking at God, his father, our father, and how he originated man. And we see that he did something beyond just speaking. In Hebrews 11, 1, if you have it there, it says, Now faith is the substance. Now faith is the substance. Now, faith is the substance. Did you notice that faith has substance? Faith is the substance of things hoped for or confidently expected. The evidence of things not seen. So, when God made man, had there ever been a man made before where God could see it? No. There was no prototype. There was no example. There was no uh, uh, creation to say, well, you know, I'm going to make them like that over there. We're going to do that again. No, the Bible says... I'm going to make him in my image, and he spoke. But before he spoke, he had to see. And when he saw, then he said. And when he said, then he saw. Did you get that? What am I talking about? Faith is the substance. So what did God create man with? He created them with the substance of faith. How does faith work? How is it appropriated? It is seeing what is not seen. And therefore, because you say what is not seen, the substance of faith makes it a reality. Are you getting it? I know it's meaty, and I know you're probably chewing on that right now, but that's how Jesus endured the cross. He says, this is what I feel right now. This is the life that I'm experiencing right now. But he sees beyond the cross, and he endures the shame with joy because he sees you and me on the other side of that. So he acted just like his father. But now the Bible says that you and I are made in the image of God. And he told us three times, I made you in my image. I made you in my image. In case you didn't get it, I made you in my image. And so that means that there's something about that quality and nature of God that can make us or cause us to experience the same things that God did. 
And there's these powers, or I should say, there, there, there's faith-filled words that begin to bring into a reality this life that we've always wanted. Now, let me just give you a couple of things here to help you see it and bring it into fruition. God's faith released substance. And he released this creative substance with words. The Bible says this to us. It says that the world was framed by the words of God. The world was framed by the words of God. So let's take that word framed. There's a couple different directions we can go with that. First of all, if you men, I'm assuming most of the guys here, understand a little bit about building or maybe that's your background. How many of you know that when it comes to building a house, you lay the foundation, but then you, you frame it in? What is the framing in of a house? It is the skeletal structure that makes that house stand, right? And so when God spoke the word, it framed the world to hold it together. It caused it to be stable. It caused it to stand. Then there's the other side of his words frame the world. Think of a picture frame. How many of you got pictures on your wall? Anybody here? Yeah? How many of you just got pictures just taped to your wall? Anybody? It's like, well, that looks like a good place. And you just tape it there. More than likely, you have your picture in a frame, right? And the Bible says that his words framed the world. Put it into focus. Brought it into existence. God says you're made just like me. And if you want to experience the life that you've always wanted, learn how to live or appropriate faith just like me. Because when I spoke, when I released my faith, it caused things to stick together. It caused things to come into focus. Now let me give you some examples as to how that works. It's very simplistic, but it shows you the reality of how that happens. Now I told you last year, for those of you that have been around... Uh, Last Christmas, we bought our children a dog. And so, I want to just tell you about my dog right now. So now, the fact that I started telling you about my dog, you didn't just picture in your mind the word D-O-G, did you? And you didn't think of a cat, you thought of a dog. Now, I didn't say what kind of dog I had, so you really didn't know what kind of picture to, to paint in your mind as to what kind of dog I, I'm going to tell you about. You just thought, okay, it's a dog. But now my dog is a little dog, kind of a lap dog because of my wife. She's making him a lap dog. But he's a little guy. He's probably 12 to 14 pounds. Now this little dog, he's got longer hair. And he's kind of like a yellowish tan color. See the picture coming into, into focus? Just through words? So now you're not a... You're not looking or you're not painting a picture of a big dog. You've already painted a picture of a little dog. You painted a picture with goldish, tannish hair. Now, if I told you our dog is a Karen Terrier. Now, for some, that might already put it into focus. Like, oh, yep, I know exactly what kind of dog that is. But if you still didn't know, Toto. Anybody know who Toto is on Wizard of Oz? 
The moment that I tell you Toto, it puts into focus and it makes a reality the picture of the dog that we have, right? The same thing is applicable in your life. Your world is an end result of the words that you've already spoke. I can never afford that. We can never live there. Well, I guess we might, not, might as well not get our hopes up. Well, it's going to be a tough Christmas this year. Well, it seems like there's no jobs here in Flint. Man, the gas prices are going way up the roof. I guess we're going to have to cut back. Man, it just seems like we never have groceries. It just seems like we never have enough. Did you see all those words? They begin to paint a picture of lack in your mind, and therefore you begin to create a life of expectation of not having enough because of the words in which you spoke. Your words have created your world. Amen? Are you seeing it? God made you just like Him. Now, you say, well, does that work for everybody? It does. That principle is applicable to every human being because God made every human being in His likeness. You see it that in people that are not followers of Christ, their world is framed and created and exists by the words in their mouth. The difference between you and I as believers, we can begin to find out what God says and what God desires for us and we can change our world. We can reframe our world by the words in which we speak. God, I choose to believe that you're a good God. I'm no longer going to be afraid that you're slapping me upside the head. I know that you're a God that loves me, and you just want to have fellowship with me. You want to have a relationship with me. God, I know that there's a desire in my heart, and you put it there. If you put it there, you are the author and the finisher of my faith, and I will see it come to pass. Come on. We had a, a desire for children. There came a point in the time where we had a miscarriage, and it's like, God, we just, we're not sure. But there was a desire. And when we got pregnant for our oldest daughter now, complications came, bumps in the road came. And it's like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. We went down this road once before, not doing it again. The Bible says, with long life will you satisfy us. You said that you'd give us, give us a, a, an inheritance. And so, God, we thank you that this little child is growing as healthy as whole. And sure enough, here she is, just as snotty as ever. No, you're, <laughs> no she's a good kid. She is awesome. I'm just playing with you, baby. You're awesome. You know what I'm saying? God will give you the desires of your heart. God will give you what you desire when it lines up with his will with his desire. Amen? Amen? Amen. We said that the word of God produces faith. It produces substance. The last scripture that I want to give you is this in Hebrews chapter 1. As I said, this is going to be a two-parter. But in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, We being in the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Notice what it says. He upholds all things by the power of his word. So what's your desire? If he's given you a promise, 
if he's birthed something on the inside, get evidence in the word of God that you can uphold it. God, your word says, therefore I'm standing on the word. God, your word says, so therefore I believe what you said will come to pass. God, you said, therefore, because you said, I believe it. You said that you would want me to be healthy. You want me to be whole. You want me to have success. You want me to have this life to experience full of joy. So, God, because you said it, I believe it. And you're going to uphold it with the power of your word. Amen. And so what do we do? We remind ourselves of what God's word says. As we continue to do that, we stir up the faith on the inside and we begin to see it walked out. Does it always happen overnight? No. That's why it says, don't grow weary in well-doing. You keep doing what you know to do. God, I thank you that your word is faithful. I thank you that your word is true. Now, why does that work? Let me just finish with this. I said that God desires to have a relationship with you. He's drawing you to a self. But you've got to see you the way that God sees you. Oral Roberts uh, had an older son. If you know who Oral Roberts was, he went home to be with the Lord. But his oldest son got out of the military and was living in California, and he went to buy a car. Didn't have a whole lot of credit, didn't have a whole lot of money, and every time he went to buy a car, they told him no. So he went to another dealership, says, I'm looking to buy a car. They told him no. So he went to the last car dealership, and he says, hey, before you say anything, he said, if I told you my dad was Oral Roberts, would it do anything? He says, it'll get you a car. <laughs> Just simply saying, my dad is Oral Roberts made the difference. He went home, and he talked to his dad. He says, dad, he said, the moment that I said you were my dad, they stopped seeing me and saw you. When we stand before God, God doesn't see you as you. He sees you through Jesus. When you stand before the enemy, when the enemy comes and tries to attack your life, attack your mind, attack your family, your home, your job, when we'll take our stand and say, wait a minute, stop in Jesus' name. I am a child of God. I'm made in his image. The moment we take the stand, he no longer sees you, but sees your father. And God begins to move on your behalf. God wants us to live this life that we've always wanted. And he said, I'll give you the desires of your heart if you'll trust me. Amen. Amen. Next week, we're going to continue with this. There's just too much to talk about in one setting. And so we just kind of got the motor running and we'll finish next week. Amen. Why don't we stand? Praise God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to encourage you in this, just this series, that God is wanting you to experience the life that you've always wanted. Nothing is withholding it, nothing is keeping you from it. The thing that will connect you to it is your faith and your trust in God. The sky's the limit. You can write your own ticket through faith. You may say, well, what if my desire is wrong? Well, what if God's not in it? No, you'll know. He said, if you'll delight yourself in me, if you'll pursue me, if you'll seek me, your desire will be right on, right on point because 
estás, por ejemplo. Listen to me. I know that in this place, there are those that have set the dream to the side, given up. And you've looked at you and have lost, lost confidence in yourself. Yeah. It's even affected those around you through attitude, through words which you've spoken, unkind and harsh. But that's just a byproduct of what is festering on the inside. But if you'll have ears to hear this morning, hear God say that He sees you. And you're doing better than you think you are. You're in a better place than you think you are. And God hasn't forgotten about you. He's not forgotten about the dream. He's not forgotten about the desire. And if you'll simply reach out your hand and say, God, I need your help. God, I can't do it by myself. God, take the lead and I'll follow you. Rather than trying to dictate to you, God, and tell you how I want it, God, I'll take your hand and lead me. And if you'll do that, God will take you further and faster than you'll even begin to understand. Will you trust Him? Will you begin to have faith? Oh, Father, we thank you. Father, I pray for everybody that's in this place right now. I thank you that we're growing in this life of faith, that we're learning how to trust you and believe that you are as good as you said you are. God, I thank you that you're doing a work in this church, that we're not moved by what we see, but what we know. And therefore, we won't speak what we see, but we'll say what we see in our hearts through the substance and the words of faith. And we thank you that the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can we just worship God one last time before we leave? Amen. Let God know how much you love him. Amen. Hello and welcome to Genesee Valley Church online campus. We're so glad that you've tuned in today. And I trust that what you've heard has been a blessing to you. And most importantly, make sure that they're prepared for eternity. And so my big question for you today as you're watching, if you was to breathe your last today, would today be the day that you step over into eternity to spend it with Jesus? You might say, I hope so, or I think so. But hoping and thinking doesn't get you there. In fact, God, he gave us an answer to the solution to our sin problem, and it was Jesus. He sent Jesus, and he died on the cross he went to the grave, and on the third day, he rose from the grave. And through him, we have eternal life. And the Bible says this, that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. And so I simply want to give you that opportunity today. If you've never made Christ the Lord of your life, or maybe you've walked with God and you feel like you're a million miles away and you would like to simply rededicate your life to the Lord, 
I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's very simple. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus, that he came and died on the cross for me, that he went to the grave, and on the third day he arose. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my friend. In Jesus' name, amen. It's just that simple. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. And listen, if we can help you in that journey, we want to be a support system to you. You know, there's a number or some contact information at the bottom of the screen. If you'll get a hold of us, we'll send you some information just to help you on this journey as you begin your life walking with Jesus. Also in that journey, it's so important to get involved with a local church. So if you're in our area, come pay us a visit. We'd be glad to see you and purpose just to love on you as best as we can. Maybe you're somewhere else. Let us know. We'll help you get connected to a great church that will love you and support you and help you in this journey. Amen. Hey, listen, at Genesee Valley Church, we always say we love God, love people, and love life. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. God bless.